Yesterday we did the, uh, and this is going to take a couple segments, so bear with us because it's really fun and funny at the same time. But we did the story during uh, your mind, Michael, of Bob Lee stepping down. The great Bob Lee. The great Bob Lee. After 40 years stepping down. ESPN day three-er. Right. And you mentioned that back sometime at the early stages of the radio station that Bob Lee came to town and interviewed you guys. Yeah, as part of a story on Sports Talk Radio, which was starting to, as they say, sweep the nation. Right. And this was an outside the lines that was not 30 minutes. This was a full hour. Yeah, and it was big. It's, I, I forgot a lot of stuff about this. Yeah, it's really, really funny. So it was done in June of 1995. So this was 24 years ago right now. Yeah, which meant that we had been on the air for about a little over a year. Yeah, a year and four or five months. God, and looking at your studio, was that Mockingbird? That was Mockingbird. It looks like you were just in an office with microphones on stands on a table. Man. It it wasn't much more than that. Yeah. Was that Mockingbird Station where all that stuff is now? Yeah, Uh yeah. Always fascinated by that old place. It was yeah. I wish, that, I could, wish I could see it. It was in that office, that office building, and it wasn't too dissimilar um, to what this is right now, as far as the studio. Mm-hmm. This is obviously a lot bigger, but back then, like the control room yeah. was super, super small. Yeah, and you had a, a much smaller board area. You had a right behind where Mino sits is just a big wheel of carts because nothing was digitized at the time. And then there was a little seat for the producer, and the studio wasn't too small, though. It was no, fine. But, but, yeah, I never the thought talk it was, room was fine. Yeah, and then there was a separate ticker room, and it wasn't set up too much different than this, although you couldn't see the ticker room from uh, the, the uh, producer's room. Yeah. We didn't have to do a whole lot to it, because it had been used before by KVIL in their Halcyon days. That's where their studios was. So it had been used for essentially the same thing, and, and, you know, we didn't have to do a whole lot to it as far as, you know, build-out and stuff like that goes. The only thing different was back then there was a huge area, the bullpen area, outside of the studio where we would all congregate, um, and it was just our little cubicle areas. But now we don't have any of that. We don't need it, though. We don't need a cubicle area. No, we didn't need it then. You don't miss your desk over at Maple? No. Really? Pretty superfluous. I probably spent all told in the, how many years were we there? Not long. Couple. In the time we were there, I probably spent maybe um, two hours there, tops. Three years maybe? At your desk? Yeah, at my desk. I slept under mine sometimes. Yeah, you slept on Gordon's pillow, which I can't imagine (laughs) putting the light on that thing. Hey, would you like to get some chicken? So anyway, Bob Lee comes in and listen to these numbers. This is how uh, this is how this thing starts. This is the the big intro from uh, the outside the lines from June of nineteen and ninety five. Bill, unlike the other Bill in the White House, there is no question that you did inhale and you continue to suck to this day. 
with Sports Talk Radio, you can slander. So right out of the shoot, there's the hammer. The first <laughs> words heard on this entire thing are him reading a fax. In, yeah, in his, about Bill Walton. Yes, and Bill Clinton, too, which yeah. shows you the times. But it's real funny to hear the hammer cadence of the way he reads. It's really funny. In the White House, there is no question that you did inhale and you continue to suck to this day. With Sports Talk Radio, you can slander and libel people every day and nobody seems to care. Who's to blame for this? Who's going to take the wrath of your disappointment? I think sometimes they get a little harsh on players and uh, really, I guess, invade the privacy in their lives. We don't care if we piss people off. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Here's the simple answer. Radio is free. You don't like it, turn it off. And I know what you're thinking. Everybody's going, listen, Rich, you promised we would not talk about chick sports. I listen to National Public Radio. I'd rather be informed than misinformed. He's a... he's a wussy. I never liked him in Michigan. Five is too damn sh- There's Pharrell. There Very is. early Pharrell. I yep. mean, he was a pup, too. 29. Yeah. It's too damn short to be screaming and hanging up with people. I'm almost a rumor monger. We have a hand in some firings. You know, I'm known as the coach killer, the assassin. The athletes are listening. They'll lie to you and say they're not. They'll say, no, we never listen. But I'm telling you right now, they listen. You tell them, Hammer. <sighs> okay, so right out of the shoot, the first thing, real quick here, this is kind of where we were back in 1995 as far as stations. And I don't know what, you know, most people around right now don't remember a world without sports radio, but this is where we were at the time in yep. 1995. Nine years ago, all sports radio didn't exist. Five years ago, only four stations did it. Now, about 130 stations are sports talk full-time, with more than 1,500 stations carrying some sports talk radio. All sports is rarely an unqualified business success. A station in Washington is struggling, and another in Los Angeles has abandoned the format. Scores of other stations squeak by. But in New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Minneapolis, all sports radio stations rate very well with young men, a coveted audience for advertisers. So, you know, you were a few years removed from this not even being a thing before that. You know, I mean, five years... Prior to that, there were four stations. Nine, there were none. That's amazing. It's, I mean, it just all sprouted up overnight. Yeah. The thing that I took away immediately from the early days of sports radio, mm-hmm. and look, I was there. I wasn't on the air or anything in, at that point, but there was certainly a different vibe. And look, it may be that we've kind of evolved with the times here, I don't know how much it's changed elsewhere, but the attitude. Oh, my God. The ego, the attitude. It was it was it's everybody different. everybody trying to be the sports version of Man Cow and Stern and Imus and all of that. Yeah, That's all I mean, it, it was. It's the way it was. Especially mm-hmm. Pharrell. That's what you tried to do. Yeah, it was just, but didn't you sense that when you were watching that? Like, just how everybody was just like, yeah, yeah. Sure, we talk about the teams in that way. What is what of it, man? Like, everybody just was so teed up. And wanted to make their mark. Yeah, more than anything. You wanted to stand out from the rest. Did you get that? More and more yeah. over the top and insane. Sure. It, it was that, I mean, when we would go to the Super Bowl, we would see that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And 
you know, it, again, I don't know how much it's changed elsewhere. I think that most people have kind of pulled back a little bit, but maybe well, East I mean, Coast look, and look, look what happens when we go to the Super Bowl now. You know, as you make your way around that room, you don't see hardly any of that. No, it's pretty quiet. And if you do hear somebody trying to broadcast that way, it's real loud and stands out and kind of annoying. <laughs> but like you heard the hammer, and for those who don't know, the hammer used to be here, but 12 years ago he wasn't here, but he was here at the beginning, and he talks about, you know, I guarantee you that the players listen. They don't tell you they listen, but they listen. You know, and that's never been a thing now. I mean, for the last, I don't know, 15 years, I've never thought about that. Like, people, I don't care. Yeah. But, like, that was kind of a feather in the cap back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, being a coach killer was a good thing. Yes. It was something you wanted to be. Right. And I can't imagine being that way now. Like, being regarded as that. Like, who cares? Nobody. Uh, yeah, but back then it was just so... Why were? Why was everybody just so... Well, I mean, everybody was really anxious. It was, so, it was just new. Yeah, and everybody was really anxious to stand out. Everybody was really anxious to make their mark. Yeah. And that was one way in which some people did. You know, not everybody did. We did it in other ways. Right. We didn't have anybody on the air that was really, you know, too much wanted to be a coach killer. The hammer tried to position himself that way, but <laughs> but, but I'll get you fired. <laughs> Don't you insult my mama. <laughs> but you know, we had enough other forces around him at the radio station to kind of nullify that a good bit. Yeah, he did have the most of that. I and I think generally what you guys were doing early on was not too dissimilar to what's going on now, just without the phone calls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's too different, but what what went on back then, and we've talked about this a ton before, the whole thing was based on phones. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and that the was callers were personalities. Yeah, that's how you were judged. And you know the fact that callers were per- personalities is is that idea is really put forth in this Bob Lee story. So let's take a break and come back because Bob Lee follows one ticket P one <laughs> around and for an entire day, and he is a huge, huge feature on this. You may remember him, you may not, but we'll get to it next. First, right. though, we're rummaging through the outside the lines that ESP did, ESPN did on Sports Talk Radio in 1995, and they sent the great Bob Lee down here to do this. Did you notice that he was, when he was doing this, that you t- so you and Grego were being interviewed simultaneously? Yeah. They didn't get you separately? Seems like they got a, the, the, seems like I talked to him by myself okay did you not make the cut the only things that they showed were the two of them together and the hammer talking over him and he, he couldn't get a word in <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but i mean the- <laughs> that's the way it was back then <sighs> and just he struggling. was the star wasn't he he was you're my star yes so there was one point though where bob lee is doing his little piece from the ticker room, the old ticker room up on Mockingbird in Central, and he's sitting down, and in the background you can see Dunham and Miller. And if you want a very early look at Dunham and Miller, which the photos are out there, but it's kind of funny to see him in video form too, he 
George and Craig and Gordo were all sitting in there. They're such babies. Oh, they're such pups. Then, as they feature the P1, I don't know how they found out. They must have come to you guys and said, yeah, hey, who's a, who's a caller? They did. And you guys recommended they follow around for the day a guy named Delwyn R. Hinkle. Yes. Delwyn R. Delwyn R. One of our earliest. Most loyal. Most loyal callers. And still, of all the people that I've made friends with up here at the radio station, one of my best ones today. Yeah, and It's funny is- to also look at the call screen. Uh, oh, yeah. Pittsburgh Dave. Yes, Pittsburgh Dave. <laughs> and this is, look, this is for people that, that you, have been listening been for a long, long yeah. time. Uh, but yeah, Pittsburgh Dave was up there. You get a very quick shot of Jeff Catlin, who is now our program director. And Jeff's got a, looks like a sweet mullet that he's working with. Back there from 1995, or at least the... He was rocking the devil tree. The beginnings of one. Um, so it's great old footage. I'll post the, the video, and thanks to... Man, I can't remember the guy that found this. I'll, I'll look it up here. We love you, man. Thanks to you, sir, for finding this for us. So this is Bob Lee and the ESPN crew. They woke up with Del Winar. They were at his house yep. at 6 in the morning because this was Del Winar's day. It's about analysis. It's about perspective. It's about callers. And uh, my baseball question Callers is, like Delwyn Hinkle. At 6.44 a.m., Delwyn Hinkle has already listened to 45 minutes of sports talk radio. My clock radio goes off a few minutes before 6, uh, and, and I wake up to Norm Hiskas. Now, this was before Norm was on the ticket, obviously. Right. Yes, Norm was on Cliff then. So he's backstabbing a little bit. Right. But he, well, who was he skipping out on? At, skip. That, skip. <laughs> As it were, I'd probably listen to Norm too. It wasn't a bad move, but no. anyway, they don't mention who Norm works for, but they'll they'll get to what Delwinar's real passion is. How long can Nate Newton keep doing this? From radios in the bathroom 30, and the kitchen, 40, 50, pour a steady stream of sports speak. Losing the backbeat for Hinkle's morning routine. Forget about that. Another radio in his home office brings him the show that Hinkle, a self-employed computer consultant has somewhat arranged his life around. Now listen very closely here as, as they talk about something that he's arranged his life around, and you can hear Jeff because he calls him the Catman. Catman! Hey, Dylan. Dylan A year ago, Hinkle crossed over from passive listener to call-in regular. Now he's part of the show. Dylan R. in Dallas, you're on the ticket. Well, I guess we need to talk about Dean Palmer. That That starts with that starts with P, that rhymes with T, and that stands for trouble. Only a small percentage of the, listeners, the perhaps just 2%, ever pick up the phone. So the rest simply listen to John opinions that can ignite controversy. So there is part one of Delwinar, mm-hmm. and here is part two, because again, they're with him all day. That's just the morning through, and you guys were doing 11 to 2 yep. at the time. Mm-hmm. And then they show him at a Ranger game. And he goes to the Ranger game, and then he immediately... Well, wearing his headset at the Ranger game, yeah, listening to the live broadcast yes. on the radio. And then he goes to Diamond Talk. So you and Grego are doing Diamond Talk. At, I, do, you, do you recognize the place? I didn't. I didn't either. No. I'd have to think about it. Okay. Well, here is how they wrap Delwinar's day. Back in Dallas, Delwin Hinkle's day continues at a baseball game where he prefers the radio call to ballpark ambiance. No. Low and away. Yeah. All four of them. Absolutely. Nearly 17 hours after he awakened to Sports Talk Radio, Delwyn is still plugged in 
at a post-game show. Because I'm self-employed and a lot of time I, I spend by myself, uh, what happened is the, the sports talk shows became my friends. It's almost like a virtual office, uh, to, to use a computer term. It, it doesn't really exist anywhere, but, but I know that you know, from 11 to 2, I know that Herman Mesquite is listening to the show that I'm listening to, and Dr. Matt is, and John Caffey, and Chicken Fried, and, and all the guys. Chicken Fried. <laughs> John Caffey. All the guys that have become friends of mine because we share a radio button, uh, and and that's pretty cool. So when you, when you look at who, you know, on YouTube... Mm-hmm. All these are there. there there's four 15-minute yep. segments on this. And Every you know one of them were posted. Did you see who posted them all? No, I didn't. John C. That's awesome. John C. is the one that uploaded And them. one cool thing that John C. did, he left in the spots. The commercials are in yeah. this episode, so you can see car ads from 1995. and Yeah, the, it's really cool. It's pretty neat. So Bob Lee goes on, and then they talk to... Uh, Spence, who started the radio, or, you know, funded right. the radio station, yep. and they get into all that and how this the whole thing, owner. yes, they get into how, how all this started, kind of, and then they really, really, I can't believe Bob Lee made this mistake. I think uh, other stations uh, have looked at FAN as being the prototypical station to, to, to do their thing. That's where Spencer Kendrick got his idea. 13, <laughs> Leaving Wall Street, returning to Dallas to spend most of his net worth on a small AM station. KCTK, the ticket, boasting... KCTK. How did that get... How did that slip past him? And the producers. I don't know. KCTK. KCTK, the ticket, boasting of sports with an attitude. We call ourselves your wife's worst nightmare. And to a lot of people, we are. Do you uh, cringe at some of the things that you hear on your own station? Uh, yes, I do. To the hard line. That would be us. Just a few thoughts on the cancerous polyp of a broadcaster known as Bill Walton. Bill, unlike the other Bill in the White House, there is no question that you did inhale and you continue to suck to this day. We don't care if we piss people off. Now that's John Buckley. Yeah, Je- John Buckley. Not Je- I was going to say Jeff Buckley. It's not Jeff Buckley. <laughs> John Buckley, who was the old general manager or something like that. Yeah. Sales executive. Yeah. How did he get involved in this? Yeah. By then, the station had been sold the first time, I think. Okay. And we were transitioning under to the under the watch of, of SFX okay. at that time. All right. And he was an SFX guy, I think. All right. Well, we'll get into that a little bit here. We don't care if we piss people off. The station's birth announcement was a 40-foot jockstrap on a billboard at a major Dallas interchange. Which was genius. And the measure of its success, after 18 months, the most affluent listenership in town, and an impending sale at a substantial profit to a competitor's parent company. Sports talk radio is a balance of information and entertainment with heavy doses of personality. If there's one thing, especially... Now, this is where they show Mike and Greg... They show you guys in a little room doing this, but they only show you can only see your shoulder. Yeah, and they're, they're sitting sh- next to one another, but the camera is all the hammer focused yeah. on the hammer. Now listen to Mike. Just try to get in any words in here. If there's one thing, especially here in Dallas, that the callers and the listeners can sniff out, it's a fraud. Yes. If you're a fraud, they're going to sniff you out. If you're and not only to- that, they're going to expose you. 
<laughs> but the and I, and then what were but I mean you wouldn't have fared well in last night's debate. No. Your inability to properly interrupt. This is really cool that though. That was then. This is now. And it was funny but I could hang now. It was funny to look back um not just at it the ticket that was awesome of course but like the other radio station that, that they feature Dude, Rocco is a big player. There's, yep, a, yes. there's a guy that used to work here way back in the day, but they featured him before he moved to Dallas. He must have been like 20 years old working in Miami Yeah, because we got him from Pittsburgh, right? I think so. And he was in Miami when they That's were right. featuring him. And the amount of radio vagabonds, including Pharrell, he's, that are he's featured been everywhere. Here, yeah, that are featured in this. I mean, it's really cool that everybody here is basically stuck around. Because this is not a stick-around business. No, this this place is such an outlier in that way. There are so many people that, that they feature that are either completely gone from the business that I never heard of before in the business, um, or that flamed out. Francesa, the Mike Norths of the world. Yeah. Francesa actually had a slow fastball back then. He did, yeah. He wasn't horrible. Yeah, more of one. I mean, he was into it at least. Yeah. Right, right. He was also paired with Russo. Who just was too much personality on crack, uh, but it's great. I'll, I'll again, I'll, I'll post this, um, and, God, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Pharrell looks like he was at the time he was twenty nine years old, and his look is that of a guitar player in a Seattle band that never really quite made it. Totally, totally, he's hilarious. He's to watch. great. Just I think gyrate I, dude, and everything. I think he is. I think he's brilliant. I really do. There's that, a, there's that an niche element that to he's, him concocted and, and that personality i think a lot of it is him i think a lot of it is fabricated but i think it's so fabricated and he's been doing it so long that it's just who he is now yeah but you can see where it all started in this i remember when we had him down here at summer bash a mm-hmm. few years ago mm-hmm. and i couldn't stand him on the air and i was all ready to not like him and that lasted probably about 45 seconds into a conversation yep. He's he a, just won me over. He's a nice guy. He and, is. You know, he was, um, I think he was a pretty heavy drinker, too, back then, and mm-hmm. he cleaned up, and he's a lot more tolerable now. But he had the, he definitely had the ego. He was like, look, there's only a couple people that can do what I'm doing right now, and that is uh, Rush, and that is uh, Stern, Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Imus. Yeah, and Imus, and that's it. That's it. It's a, it's a quartet. Ah! <laughs> not bad. That is not bad. Uh-oh. Well, it's good stuff. Check it out. The ticket. Well, as a great man once said, movie watching is a sport. That's right. And last night, we made our way out to the Alamo Draft House in North Richland Hills. By the way, shout out to my nav. <laughs> Did an excellent job in getting me there last night. That's usually not the case. No. If there's one place around here that I'm going to get lost, it's out that way. But last night, I did what it said, and it got me there. No issue at all. And shout out to Alamo. Yes, shout out to the Alamo Draft House for harboring us once again as we all ganged up for the film yesterday. This is the work of Danny Boyle, the well-known director. And um, it's kind of a... Odd story. You got to go with us on this a little bit because it's a stoner conversation that they turned into a movie. Yeah. The premise is way out there. 
And it's about this guy who is a, a struggling musician, played by the British actor Hamish Patel, or is sure. it Himish? Hyman Patel. Anyway. I'm going to go with Danny on this one. He's uh, got a gig, and he's playing it, and it's not going very well. And on the way home, he gets into an accident where he is hit by a bus, and he winds up in the hospital with two teeth missing. But there are some other things that aren't there either, and that is the presence of the Beatles in the life of anybody except him. Yeah, it's it's almost like he entered into a parallel reality. Yes, because the I guess the moment that caused his accident as well as caused this global amnesia is a global blackout. Right. That lights electricity goes out around the globe for 12 seconds. Yeah. And when it comes back on he knew about the Beatles, and nobody else did. So when he gets out of the hospital, he goes home. He's got his little group of friends. Well, the, his his manager, this girl, gets him a guitar, buys him a brand-new guitar. Cause it's his, kind of a coming-home present, and his got smashed up in the accident. Yeah, because when he was riding home from the gig, on a bicycle. he was on a bicycle with his uh, you know gig bag, like a backpack for his acoustic. Mm-hmm. And so when he got hit by the bus, his... Guitar was smashed. So she hands him the new guitar and says, well, you got to play something for us. And so he just goes into a cover and starts playing Yesterday, and everybody at the table is crying like they'd never heard the song before. And that's when it clicks with him is these people have no awareness of the Beatles. He goes, Well, he thinks that they're messing with him Yeah, he him thinks first. it's a prank, but he goes home and then gets on the internet and starts searching the Beatles, and it just always autocorrects to the insect. There's no... No history, there's no imprint at all of the Beatles, no Sgt. Pepper, no nothing. And he gets the bright idea, hmm, what if I start performing their material and taking ownership of it, of it as mine? And that's pretty much where the movie goes from there. Right. I think it's a great idea, and I'm pretty certain I've had this stoner late-night conversation 10 or 15 years ago with some of my musician buddies and said, I think the thought was, okay, so if the world had never heard of the Beatles and we knew their material, we're the only ones that knew the material. Could we record their songs as us? And would they be hits? Would they be still be great songs? Right. The premise is that it fit into now. The premise is that the songs are so magical that they yes, have that such magical and timeless that yeah that they have such a, a timeless allure that it doesn't matter who's singing them or in what style that it will resonate with people and make people take notice yeah and it works for him yes overall i mean you know it goes on he's pretty successful and there's some pitfalls and some really strange things that happen along the way but because in the end game this is pretty much a rom-com it really is. It turned out to be more of a love story than anything else. <sighs> What'd y'all think overall? I'd love to know what you thought, Mike. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought the best things about it were the Beatles music and Kate McKinnon. No doubt. And Patel's character's father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, him too. He was pretty great. Yeah. 
Kate McKinnon of Saturday Night Live plays this. This She's, and Ed Ed Sheeran's in it. Yeah, and Ed Sheeran kind of discovers him, puts him on tour with him, and Kate McKinnon is his manager. Well, she ends up managing what's his name? Yeah, Nick or is it what is Jack. his name? Jack. Jack. And she's a, a hard driving, hardcore, no BS, no BS, showbiz old broad. And boy, I'll tell you what: if you're getting a movie together and you've got such a part in mind for somebody like that, get her to read for it. She's great. Did you like her, Dave? Uh, I did, but I same with the uh, with Jack's dad. Yeah, and same with Jack's roadie. I thought that all of those characters could have been pers- pushed even further. Like I, I, overall, I felt that the movie—keep in mind it was PG thirteen, right? I'm not saying that they needed to be like cussing and uh, you know over the top, like you know potty humor. I'm just saying that the the characters could have been maybe a little bit more broad and slapstick and push the envelope a little bit more because i just overall i felt the movie was kind of slow and plotting and a little bit on the boring side terrible plot line i mean there were lots of holes in the plots the character development was not good you're right it was way too cutesy yeah they it was it was an incredibly it was an it was a very missed opportunity that was a good a good idea and a good premise, and then man, they just swung and missed on it. Well, and, and the thing about it too Overall. is is I expected I expected to see Danny Boyle's thumbprint throughout the entire movie. I did too. And, and, and it was and, not there. yeah, and I, I I felt like every once in a while there would be some graphic element or some transition that oh that's Danny Boyle, but for the most part it was just it was very straightforward direction and yeah. just kind of mad. I was not anticipating that from him. I mean, I did love Ellie, the manager. I mean, she's that whoever that actress is, she's mm-hmm. super cute. Lily James is her name. Such a cutie. She's super cute and you know, she's she's like the she's the the pure innocent and then like Kate McKinnon and stardom is like the you know i mean she uses the words poison chalice like he has to choose between his old life and yeah. what he thinks he's always wanted yeah it's very allegorical in that way mm-hmm. but i thought yeah i thought ellie was great the music was great i thought like you know the the studio scenes were a big miss oh huge like they, there could have been so much more that they could have done when he actually goes to L.A. and gets in the studio, and you know it's they're pumping him up as like this one man uh, singer songwriter sensation, and then all of a sudden he has this full band, and you know they never showed him before. Yeah, it was just there were a lot of uh, missed opportunities and holes that I don't like the fact that. He let the record label talk him into changing the name of the song to Hey Dude instead of Hey Jude. <laughs> that was terrible. Now, I Rotten- thought that was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> now, Rotten Tomatoes, currently the, the critics' tomato meter is at 60%, yeah. so it's still fresh. And the audience score 
I mean, there's only 226 ratings at this point, but the audience score is 91%. So people... Morning News gave it a B-. minus. People are, are, yes, right, are right. pretty broadly liking this. And I didn't dislike it. It just... It just uh, it yeah. didn't measure up to what yeah, I hoped I, it could have been. I, I yeah. didn't hate it, but on the scale of things I liked about him, things I didn't, the didn't far outweigh the did, and and I don't know. It it just seemed like kind of a flat falling rom com to me. So, Davey, you didn't walk out of it. No, I I, okay. I, I stayed all the way to the end. So and, did I. And there there were aspects of the end that I liked and found intriguing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to give anything away, but the the potential of this parallel universe and and you know the kind of mysteries that he's trying to to solve about it, but then you know the the, the rom com part of it really just drained my life force. Yeah. Did you think about walking out of it? No, no. Baby and I have walked out of a movie together once. <laughs> yes, we did. We walked out of the original Transformers movie as soon as. The robot started talking. Yeah. As soon as Jazz was like, Hey, human, what are you doing over there? As soon as we got our our fill of Megan Fox's midriff, it's pretty much over yeah. for me. Then we double-birded the screen as we walked out. We did. We dick-hicked the screen as we left the theater. And it was packed. Did you think about walking out of it last night? No, no, of course not. No. I mean, my, my lady friend has been watching previews for this and looking up showtimes she really wants to see this but i had to go see it this morning because i couldn't make the screening last night yeah so i went this morning to alamo draft house wonderful place and but Thank you, you know, but she had to she had to work so i mean i'm on the hook to go see it again maybe it'll be better the next time i mean i'm gonna have to get really loaded i think have a cookie you have one you have an extra I got a hookup. All right. The ticket. We commissioned people a while back to just randomly drop in my pig. The entire story to their loved one, to their boss, to whoever that would be willing to listen. If you could fit it in in yeah, a way that it works. Anywhere you could harbor my pig is great. Right. Right. So a bunch of people did this. One guy, I just love this one because I love the guy's resolve and I love his cadence because... You'll hear this. His girlfriend or wife asks him if he has a joke because I guess it's customary for him to sit down at dinner and tell a joke. Well, she doesn't understand this joke. Do you have any new jokes today? My, my, my pig. I'm himself smart enough to hop over. Let's try this other audio. Yeah, let's try this. I'm glad I'm going on vacation. Everything sucks. Let's see if this works. Um, we'll get it fixed while you're on vacation. Okay, try the other one. Ready, go. Both up. Oh, Is this music? Hang on. Ooh, boy. Can you get the spinning wheel? No, I'm not getting... It's not even playing. Hang on one sec. Hang on, hang on. You have got to be effing kidding me. Accumulus station. There's uh, one cable that's. So I don't think this is a cumulus station here. Uh, this may be an Apple computer. Yeah. This may be. 
Uh, play some fancy music really quick here. and um, Just play the Tijuana Brass there. Pot that up. Let's listen to a little bit of Tijuana Taxi. And So, Mike, how's your day? We're going to reset. And reset Just items. fine. How's yours, Peter? Uh, it's been pretty good. A little hot outside. Good. good. Yeah. Hi. How's it going? So far, so good. Got any big plans for the weekend or anything like that? Yeah, uh, Country Force, 10 to noon tomorrow. Check it out. All right. Love that right. Country Force. A little that with Eli Jordan. <clears throat> Here we go. All right. Round two Jordan. right now. you have any new jokes today? <laughs> my, my, my pig <laughs> found himself smart enough to hop over his pen to the next pen and eat all of that pig's food. And then to the next pen and eat all of that pig's food. And then to the next pen and eat all of that pig's food. And then back for when it was my time to feed him. He already ate three meals and he was just sitting and waiting. And I'd feed him and he'd eat that. And that's why he gained so much weight and got sifted at the fat stock show. It's such a long one. It's not a great punchline. It's not a joke. Okay, he lets her know that this is not a joke. <laughs> what? <laughs> my my pig. What pig? found himself smart enough to hop over the barrier of his pen to the next pen and eat all of that pig's food and then to the next pen and eat all of that pig's food then to the next pen and eat all of that pig's food and then you come back for when it's my time to feed him and he'd be sitting there waiting and he already ate three meals and I'd feed him and he'd eat that that's why he gained so much weight and got sifted at the fat stock show. I'm literally so confused. I hate you. <laughs> why do you hate me? Because <laughs> it's a really elaborate one and I don't like that I can't understand it. And also that you what's just there, hate What's there to understand? I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. It's just a story about a pig. I guess I just don't get it. And then they did it. I love that he went back to the well again, though, with the exact same cadence. He just took another at bat right there. The really beautiful part is that people have memorized this incredible story literally verbatim. Oh, yeah, word for word. It's amazing. Word for word. I'm now working on... Me and a friend were boxing in my front yard. <laughs> in fact, if you could email that to me, I need right. to get that down. 